Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rota Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back today to chat about what we believe may be Sunderland's greatest League One team. So I'm joined today by Chris Wynn. Hi Chris. All right Gav. How's it going mate? Yeah. Yeah, not bad, not bad. So me and you, we're going to go through basically each of the squads that Sunderland had in League One over our four years stint and we're going to try and pick the best possible team that we can. Now that might be a little bit more difficult than some of the listeners believe because although we've been in this league for four years, we have had some poor players, we haven't had quite as many good players. So what we're going to try and do is put together a starting eleven of players that we feel is the best on merit. Rather than doing a player of the year type podcast or a um you know trying to work out who we think might have been the worst players, we're going for the best ones today. And I think we should probably start, Chris, with a formation. Off air, we had a little chat. You've got one in mind already. I'm a little bit more flexible. I've just got a a big list of players that I think could potentially make this team. Uh, But you've went with a three-at-the-back formation with wing-backs, I believe. Yeah, well, the problem is, you know, when you jot down all of the players who you think, well, they're they're at the top of the list, they have to be in the eleven. Yeah. I've ended up top-heavy. On all of those. <laughs> and actually, but when you write them down just as a list, you realise how many cracking attacking players we've had in four years of League One. And actually, mm-hmm. the resounding feeling was, why didn't we get promoted sooner? Because actually, there's some there's some cracking <laughs> yeah. players in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And also, you talk about the amount of cracking attacking players we've had. You then look further down the list, and we will go position by position, but you look further mm-hmm. down the list... There's a bit of a dearth of decent defenders there. There's not there's not mm. that many, is there? Which yeah. might actually point to the overall Sunderland League One story and that we just haven't <laughs> been as good enough defensively to get out quicker. And I think that probably tells in some of the players that we've got in these positions. You're probably onto something there because I've actually got listed. I've got more specialised attacking midfielders that play behind the striker than I have centre-offs when I've listed them yeah. all down. So it probably tells you everything, that. Yeah, we're going with the back five. Um, so, yeah, first and foremost, yeah, I'm happy with that system. So we'll go first off with goalkeepers then. So in League One, we've had a number of number ones. Starting off, we had John McLaughlin playing under Jack Ross, who came in from Hearts, uh, I think was in the Scottish Team of the Year, the season that we signed him. So he was a top player. Following him, after he left, after two seasons, we had Lee Burge. And then, latterly this season, we've 
sort of flitted between Burge, then Hoffman, then Anthony Patson, who ended the season as our number one, playing in the playoff final. So let's let's go through those options then. I only wrote down two names for goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, this should be interesting <laughs> to see what you think. But I didn't include Lee Burge. I think although Lee Burge is a steady away League One goalkeeper, there was never a moment in his time at the club where I felt that he was good enough. He was all right. He was he was steady away, but like I say, never never really good enough. So the two names I've got written down, Chris, are John McLaughlin and Anthony Patterson. Yeah, I'd go with those two as the as the kind of main picks. But I mean, just just quickly to touch on the other two because I think it is fair enough to put those in in the mix. Lee Burge, I was a, I felt a little bit sorry for Lee Burge at the time. He came with a good reputation from Coventry. Coventry fans were like, oh, he's a, he's a good keeper and, you know, he'll do well for you and all this sort of stuff. And I think there's a cracking keeper in there. I remember being at Bramall Lane for the League Cup game under Jack Ross. And he was brilliant that night. I mean, he kept us in the game. He made some cracking saves. One one up, because I was in one of the front rows. One was down low to his, to his right-hand side and he did really well to get down to it. And I thought, oh, we've got a cracking keeper here. And he's got, he had a hell of a kick as well. I think he got the assist for the goal that night. But, but I just think he was one of these players, and we've seen it time and time again. We'll probably see it with some of the other players as we go through as well. I think Lee Burge was gobbled up by the size of Sunderland and being our number one. And I think he just got drowned in the, the pressure of kind of being the club's main man in goal and, and couldn't quite handle it and kept making mistakes. Hoffman is another one. I think if he if he played a full season, I think you know it'd be interesting to see you know, if he played, a, you know, the, all of the games this season, whether we'd be saying, oh, you know, let's get him signed and all this sort of stuff. Who knows what he would have went on to if he hadn't gotten COVID and, and all this sort of stuff. He might have done really well under Alex Neil playing behind that back four. Because I think that's a, that's helped Patterson. I think play, playing under Alex Neil, I think if Patterson had done the same under Lee Johnson, I think he might have, you know, with playing under the system where we conceded a lot of chances. I'm not sure Hoffman might have gotten more of a crack of the whip playing under Alex Neil, but we'll never know. But yeah, so for me, it's it's John McLaughlin. I thought that the, especially the first half of uh, our first season in League One, he was way ahead of any other goalkeeper in League One. He was uh, completely playing under himself, if you like, in League One. Uh, he was much better than, than that level. And uh, for that, I mean, he would be my number one for, for our time in League One. Yeah, I mean, I, I could make the case for Anthony Patterson in that he got he was part of the team that got the job done and played such a huge part in that final with his save from Sam Vokes. I think Patterson, for me, just talking on this last season, Anthony Patterson, to me, has been the most improved player in the Sunderland squad by a country mile. I think back to when he first came into the team compared to when, he, when he's come out of it, he's, he commands his box better, he's better with his feet, he's got great reflexes and importantly I mean you were talking about Lee Burge there <laughs> to be honest that my sort of overall memory of Lee Burge is the mistakes unfortunately and mm. Patterson to me doesn't look like he's got mistakes in him and that's a mark of a good keeper you know league one goalkeepers have mistakes in them Anthony Patterson certainly doesn't seem to have that in him having said that I think just for the the length of time that he played well I've got to also go with John McLaughlin. And to be honest, I'm really disappointed that he went to Rangers and hasn't played because he's far mm. better than being a number two in the Scottish Premiership. He's a championship goalkeeper, at least. I actually thought at one stage he played, He was playing at the level where I would have thought, you know, I, I remember saying, actually, I'm a, I think I got a little bit of pelters for it, but I remember saying that John McLaughlin was playing at that time as good as a Premier League goalkeeper because mm. I'd watched Premier League goalkeepers throwing the ball in consistently down towards the bottom end of the Premier League, 
know, the, the the weaker teams. And I was thinking, well, there's no way he's any worse than some of the lads who are playing in the Prem. So to me, John McLaughlin has to take that honour. And yeah, I'm I'm just disappointed that he left Sunderland to be a number two somewhere in that. Yeah. I, I was sort of like thinking about it the other day, thinking, I wonder if he's available this summer to come <laughs> back maybe. But yeah, I, I think we're pretty much in agreement on that one. John yep. McLaughlin is Sunderland's greatest League One goalkeeper Sounds one good. thing we didn't say at the top, by the way, we are talking specifically about League One here. We're not, we're not also bringing in the season in the third tier under uh, Dennis Smith. Absolutely, dis- one, one I wasn't around at that time, <laughs> <laughs> and two, it's yeah. To be fair though, Gav McLaughlin would still get in. I think over Ian Hesford and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay then, so because we went with a, a three at the back with wing back system, we'll we'll go to the centre halves. Yeah, and we said then with that there aren't a great amount of defenders to pick from. So we've got three central defenders to pick here. Obviously, there are a couple of players who played more than one position for us. So we've got, you know, for the for instance, Carl Winchester has played centre-half this season and done very mm-hmm. well. You could include him. Uh, my shortlist, though, I've got Bailey Wright, obviously, Danny yeah. Bart, Jordan Willis, Dion Sanderson... And lastly, Tom Flanagan. Is there anybody I've missed off there that you, you think deserves an honourable mention? Yeah, if he'd had a full season playing at that level, you'd have Callum Doyle in. But I think how much he tailed off, he probably yeah. doesn't. It's it probably worth a mention, but he doesn't quite make the, the shortlist, I guess, for, for selection. But uh, but yeah, I'd go with that. The other one you could probably say you could play at the back. You know, you mentioned Winchester, because I thought that back end of when Lee Johnson came in, I thought oh nine carried us when he had to fill in at the back. Good shout. Yep, good shout. I've got him in, well, we'll see later on where I've got him, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that sounds like the list for me. I don't think there's anyone else we can really add to that shortlist. Yeah, I, I, there are players I've enjoyed watching play centre-half, even though I wouldn't put them on the list. Like, I, quite, I actually quite liked Ali Mozturk for a little stint when yeah. we were so bad under Jack Ross with Baldwin and Flanagan at centre-half. <laughs> he just came out of nowhere and he played in the playoff final, so you, you, you kind of forget he actually did make a little bit of an impact Ali Mozturk and I was I was a little bit disappointed that he left. I don't think he was anything special, but he he was steady away. He, he was a kicker and head at centre half, and sometimes that's what you need. I mean, that's even this season in January we we had to go out and buy Danny Bart because that's what we were missing. Um, mm. So if I'm going to give anyone an honourable mention, it might be Ozturk. Yeah, maybe considering what he's got on to Jimmy Dunn, short glimpses mm. but I, yeah I, I think the others played better than him in a red and white strip but considering what he's went on to you could see in flashes that he was better than that but yeah, but yeah. I, I like I like them more more than most to be honest mm. he, he got a bit of flack I was at um it was Barnsley away I think it was we were like two of the teams going for the automatics that season and it was the game where the wind was horrendous like it was lucky the game wasn't called off mm. and he, he was brilliant that night because the ball you didn't know where it was going half the time and it was the centre-halves had the hardest job on the pitch and we kept a clean sheet and I actually thought that he was all right. So, yeah, possibly. I just don't think he played enough. Uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll go on to who we've actually picked and this should yep. be quite interesting because I'm torn on a couple of players. <laughs> so, for instance, Tom Flanagan. I didn't really like Flanagan for most of his time at the club, but then the first half of this season under Lee Johnson, I thought that was the best period he had in the Sunderland shirt. Jordan Willis is another one who looked a class above until he got injured and played that sort of right sort of I don't know I don't know what the position is, really under Parkinson where he, he played on the right of the three, but he got forward and mm. sort of played a bit like a right back as well. And he, that was probably the best he was for Sunderland. Then obviously there's Deion Sanderson who took a little while to get going here and ended up 
looking a class apart till he, he ended up going back to Wolves and he's gone on to play in the Championship. Uh, Danny Bart, who started slowly because he came here, I think, injured and very rapidly, though, became a, an integral part of the team this season. And then Bailey Wright, another who has had his hairy moments, to be fair. There's been times where he's been out of the team, he wasn't good enough, struggled with, with fitness and stuff. But this year has really came into his own and you could make a, a strong case for Bailey Wright to be Sons Player of the Year this year. So I'll let you go first then. Who who were the three that you picked? <laughs> I did wonder whether you were going to go on with your three there, but uh, I've gone <laughs> I've gone with Bailey Wright. I've gone with him yeah. in the in the middle of the three because I thought actually in that position under Parkinson actually he was one of the highlights of the Parkinson era when he played in that in the middle of a three I thought he was an unbelievable defender and you know it's amazing actually when I looked into it he's played ninety one games for Sunderland and it's it's amazing how many games he's yeah. actually rattled, rattled through because he's had his injuries suspensions and all that sort of stuff and he's been out of favour for a bit but he's played a lot of games for us. So yeah, I think I think Bailey Wright was probably my first one I wrote down at the back. I think thinking about our, you know, in years to come when we think about our League One stay, when we're going to think about defenders, Bailey Wright against uh, Sheffield Wednesday with kind of blood pouring down his face is going to be one of our first thoughts. I think so. He gets the nod. You mentioned Jordan Willis. I've gone for Jordan Willis. I just thought, I mean, he had the injury and that that's just pure bad luck. But when he played for us. I can't rem- really remember him putting a foot wrong. I just thought he looked better than League One. And like you said, he, he under Parkinson as well, he played that role where he, he always played it wide and all he did was bomb on. Reminded us a bit of Gary Bennett. He just kind of just steamed forward when he, yeah. when he played the ball. Um, and whether he was told to or not, I don't know, but he loved doing it. <laughs> but you, I think the crowd loved it as well. It kind of picked him up. When he got the ball, you knew that he was going to pass it and he was just going to bomb on and something might happen. So... I've I've got Jordan Willis. He's another one as well. When I looked into it, sixty games. You wouldn't have thought he played that many games before he got injured, but he played mm. a lot of games for us. The other one, I think, maybe more controversial with some of the others who was maybe around a bit more. But I've gone for Dion Sanderson. I thought it was criminal when he first came in that Parkinson didn't really play him because I I don't think Parkinson actually wanted him. I think he he wanted more experienced big centre halves who who've been there and done it. And he was handed Dion Sanderson and he only had to play him in the end because of injuries. Yeah. And when he did, he couldn't drop him because he was so good. But again, he's another one that week after week, game after game, I remember us talking about doing match reviews, match reports on the pods after games. And all we were talking about was how good Dion Sanderson was. You know, even if we'd won 2-0 and someone had scored two goals, we were talking about Dion Sanderson. And, you know, it was one of those who we all wanted to sign last summer, but knew it wasn't really going to happen with how much it would cost to bring him in and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So that's my three, Dion Sanderson, Bailey Wright and Jordan Willis. Uh, the only one I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit torn on is Willis. I know I know he was I I can't disagree with anything you've just said. But when I look at that as a back three, it's very small. <laughs> and one of the big bugbears throughout my time watching Sunderland in League One has been the complete lack of height in the <laughs> team. So for me I would Personally, put Danny Bart in there. I would probably play him through the middle, right, just on the right of him, and then I would put Sanderson to the left, and that would be a very, I think, a very varied, mobile, quality defence. The only thing with Willis I found was that he would occasionally get caught out of position. I actually think if you go twenty years back and put Jordan Willis into the game, he wouldn't be a centre half. He'd probably be a fullback. Mm. He'd probably be a, a you know your your stereotypical right back quite rugged and hard, but also had a little bit of pace and could mix it up. 
I just think in in League One you need you need that big man through the middle. So if if it was down to me, I would go with Danny Bart over Jordan Willis. But I'm happy to sway based on what you think. What let, we've got to pick one of them, Bart well, or Willis. I just, I just think Danny Bart played eleven games for us. So if you're talking about our mm. best team in League One, but got us promoted. Look at all the clean sheets. The he clean did. sheets are the thing that I go back to. You know, he come into the team, we started keeping clean sheets. He did, he did, and I don't know if you're talking about what they did for us and how they played. If you're talking to us player for player, who would I pick? And you're right about Jordan Willis. I think he started out as a fullback at Coventry, and I think they moved him inside as he got a bit older. Mm. But I think that role for him, if you're playing him in a three alongside someone like Bailey Wright, like he played under Parkinson, I just think Danny Bath, you know, is likely to get caught out for pace. And Jordan Willis was pretty quick, so. It's 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 still be if I had to pick between the two it it would be it wouldn't be much in it but I'd go, I'd go for Willis purely I, I think I've got memories of Gary Bennett steaming forward and I, I, <laughs> that's that's what I'd go for. Well, on this one we'll go with Willis. I might have to bend you Ooh. for one of the uh, one of the other positions, <laughs> but to be honest, there's not a lot between them. Like I say, they both got totally different skill sets. Danny Bart mm. is big, tough, solid. Doesn't let much past him. Willis is a bit more mobile, and like I say you would have to move that probably that back three around a little bit to to fit in Bart. But uh, I, I, yeah, we'll go with we'll go with Willis. I don't think there's anything much between them. We'll probably after this pod put it out on Twitter and see what people think uh, about who should be in the team. That's the back three sorted. We'll now go the I think right back or right wing back in this mm-hmm. system. First off, we haven't had that many good right backs. That was the first thing that I've noticed is that we're, we're struggling a little bit. And I think this one might be easy to pick based on just the choice. Hmm. So I sent you my list of, my short list earlier, but I'm, I'm adding someone to that now. You can probably hear me typing, so I've got that down. <laughs> so, short list. Adam Matthews, I think in that first season, hmm. he was all right. I mean, he, he only had really one good season for Sunderland, and it was pretty much that one. Hmm. Lyndon Gooch, I've put in there because of... His sort of contribution towards the end of the season, in a similar way to Bart, you know, you put him right back. Just even that final little run towards the end of the season, and he he did do very well. Uh, Connor McLaughlin, I've put down tentatively, had a bad first season and a good second season. Uh, Carl Winchester, who has had a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season for us at right back, it started brilliantly. Like I, I actually at one stage thought this guy is immense at right back. But then it seemed to tail off a little bit and he lost his place there and ended up playing a different role, didn't he, under under Alex Neal. And then, last but not least, the man I've just added to my list, Luke O'Neill, who in that first season in League One was arguably our player of the season playing right back. So it's it's another toughie because I've just given you five names there. Only one of them you could argue had a standout season playing that position, but you could put this same player, Luke O'Neill, in two or three positions, really. That's that. I can see you thinking now. <laughs> yeah. oh, the the O nine ones thrown is I did because I had I had O nine as a possible centre half or or in midfield, and I'd never thought about having them on the right hand side. But it, it... well, just let's just let's talk about him specifically, right? So those three positions, those are probably the the three main positions he's played. I know he's played pretty much everywhere, mm. but at centre half, yeah, he had a, he had a couple of decent games there as a as a fill in player. Central midfield, to be honest, he's only really became a centre mid this season. And even then, he's played all over the place. But that first season under Jack Ross at right back, 
I mean, he he was. I actually remember we used to get the 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 Instat reports every week in that season. We were we had a subscription to Instat, and he was statistically the best right back in the EFL that season, like on everything, contributions, defensive tackles, headers, everything. So it's for me. I I I think I think I'm I'm edging for Luke Nine to be honest. Is there an honourable mention there, or is there anybody who? I mean, you obviously didn't have Luke Nine written down, so I'm I'm wondering who you had. No, I I had exactly the same list as you, which it was it was kind of slim pickings, which is why I mean you're you're saying you're going for a nine, and you've kind of you're starting to talk us into it because the the <laughs> name the name I had written down, and maybe because of the. The list we had was was Lyndon Gooch because I think uh, that's actually his position now. I think that right wing back, right back role is is his position. I think over the years he's been pushed back. You know, when we came into League One, he was an attacking winger where he used to kind of get to the byline and get the ball in and take players on. And first half of yeah. the the first Jack Ross season, that he was he was fantastic, and that's why we were so good in the first half of that season. Quite a lot of that was down to the former Lyndon Gooch. And then suddenly he disappeared and he kind of came back and forgot what kind of player he was and he had to turn himself into something slightly different. And I think this season that's been his best position. And when he, when he's up for it, when he's on it, like Lyndon Gooch, and I imagine he's probably one of the, the best in the league, uh, certainly this season, in that position because you know he doesn't put a foot wrong when he's on it. I mean, you saw that the Cambridge game, he can still take players on, he can still get to the byline, still put a good cross in. But yeah, the more... <laughs> The more you talk about Luke Onang, the more it makes sense. He was he was fantastic in that in that first season. I actually think if push came to shove, and I had to pick what Luke Onang's best position has been for Sunderland or in League One, I'd probably say centre half because some of those performances under Lee Johnson, when we were desperate, you know, when all of our centre halves were injured, he stepped in and went to the back, and you'd just think he would played there all his life. You know, he was in some games, he was kind of our only defender in some games. He was kind of leading the line. He was getting getting his head on it. He was putting his body in the way. Um, so push game to shove, I'd probably say his best position for Sunderland's being being centre half. But the more you talk the more you talk about Luke O'Neill on the right and, and kind of those stats that season which I remember seeing, I think you're talking us into it. I think I might I might yeah. go for for Luke O'Neill on the right. Yeah, I think we're gonna agree on that one. He's Best position for me, I know you said centre half, but for me it was right back. Although I like him, is actually I quite like him in the centre of the park, and I think in this system with the manager we've got now, it really suits him. But if we're just talking about the four seasons he's had as a Sunderland player, I don't think many people would disagree when when I say his best season was his first season playing right back. So yeah, we'll we'll go with that then. Next position then left backs. Again, we haven't had a great amount of decent left backs while we've been in League One. We've definitely had some shockers. I mean, names that come to mind are Lawrence DeBock, Jake Vulcans, and last but not least, Callum McFadden, the player who I deem is probably the worst to ever play in a Sunderland shirt. But in terms of decent left-backs, we've had, I would say, three, and I think even then I'm pushing it because I'm not sure how well two of these lads actually played for us consistently. Um but my list was uh, Brian Oviedo, who in that first season was pretty much our first choice left back. I think at times looked a class apart, at times looked like he couldn't be asked. But I mean, in terms of quality, he definitely had more than enough to play at this level. Uh, Denver Hume, who probably played his best football for Sudden under Phil Parkinson, which you can't say about very many players that they played their best football under Parkinson. But I think Denver Hume definitely did. 
uh, that was probably the most consistent run he had in the in the team, and uh, he he was contributing and playing every week. And then, last but not least, and the man I would probably put there in my team is Dennis Serkin, who I think Dennis Serkin, particularly under Alex Neil, has improved a great deal. I wasn't totally sold on him, and I'm still I'm still a little bit skeptical about how effective he is as a, a forward attacking option in in this system we're, we're picking here. He needs to be able to get forward and contribute. But I think defensively he's very, very solid and, and you can see why he came so highly rated and why we, we took the punt on him. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait to hear what you've said before I make a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm edging towards Serkin though. Yeah, the only... I, I, I can't remember if you mentioned him. The only other name I'd maybe mentioned was Reese James. I can't remember whether you mentioned him. Course. But, no, uh, I didn't. I forgot about him. But uh, he, he, I don't think he was as bad as most people made out. I think he was. He, he had some no. good days where he, he showed himself to be a good player, and he he went on to you know he was doing well at Doncaster until Doncaster you know dropped <laughs> dropped away like they did. But, uh, but you, you know you know just on him though, Reese James. He he have, actually reminds me a little bit of Serkin in that he was probably better defensively than he was going forward. In that season, we had three left backs. Obviously, we had him. We had. Brian Oviedo and we had uh, Hume and of the three he was probably the most consistent in that position and then it's funny he's went on to play elsewhere hasn't he and and mm. hasn't actually played left back yeah. I think yeah. he played Set, midfield, midfield didn't he yeah. attacking midfielder I think at Doncaster for a while which blows my mind a little bit because <laughs> like I say I thought I thought he was more defensive minded but I think he's at Blackpool now in the championship so mm. he, he got there quicker than we did anyways so <laughs> But yeah, I mean the, the the list you had was was spot on. I don't think there's any anybody else. It was only James that sprang to mind. But uh, but yeah, and at the top of the list, the top two for me, I think it was between Oviedo, like you said, because on his day he was he was a cut above. I thought he he just showed his class when when he was on it, when he could be bothered, like you said. I remember was it Portsmouth or someone at home where he just lashed out at someone and got sent off. Was Peter Bra? Yeah, Peter Bra. That was he, it. He wellied James uh, James Madison, Mark Madison up the yeah. arse. That was it for no reason, and pretty much cost us the game by doing that. Yeah, we were on top. We were we were dominating the the game, and it was a that 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 time was a was a big game. I think they were challenging with us up near the top of the table, and yeah. he just wellied them up the arse for no reason. <laughs> but then you're on about his class. He uh, the one that springs to mind immediately is that first game in League One when he put the ball in for Gucci's header. Yeah, exactly. And that 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 was when you were like, you know, sometimes in a game you need that quality player just to give you a moment. That yeah. that's what he gave us. And you know what, that, that sending off against Peterborough, I was going to say that that pretty much summed up where Oviedo's head was playing for Sunderland because he didn't want to yeah. play for us in League One. And every time he lost the ball, he was frustrated because he thought, I'm better than this and I'm better than these players. I shouldn't be losing the ball. And that, that frustration was purely that because he thought he was better than the, the players he was playing against. And he was. He just if he didn't really show it week in, week out because he couldn't be bothered. So for that reason, I'm probably going with you, Dennis Serkin, for me on the left. Yeah, I think that one was pretty straightforward. Uh, we'll jump into the centre of midfield, although we haven't really talked about the formation. So you went with one holding player and three attacking midfielders. Yeah. But has that changed since we've moved Luke 9 or not? No, I've, I had Luke 9 in that holding midfielder role, but now but I'm going to... go with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what we'll probably do is we should maybe talk about sort of, well, how many players have we got to pick from here? A lot. <laughs> Well, we've got five positions, haven't we? Pretty much, if we're going to go with two strikers, potentially. Uh, so, well, I've got one up front. You've got one up front, right? Mm. Okay, let's let's just go to centre mids. Then, so I'll be honest, I could probably make the case for most of these players. Yeah. 
because they all contributed in similar ways. I'll just start from the top. Max Power, not somebody who I was particularly enamoured with as a Sunderland player, not as many, not as much as many other fans were. But he was important to us for three years. He played quite a lot of football. And actually, it's just coming to mind now, he did play quite a lot of football at right back at one stage, so we could have even included him in that list. Um, Lee Catamore, who in that first season probably had his best season for Sunderland, scored, I think, seven or eight goals, didn't he, from midfield, which was never part of his game when we played further up the leagues. And at a time when the club was probably at its lowest ebb, we needed leaders on the pitch. He, he, he did stand up, he did, he did give us quite a lot, but then missed that important spot kick which decided our fate in the penalty shootout in the first playoff final we played in. Uh, George Honeyman, who was our captain when we dropped the League One, player I loved, still love, wish he would come back. I know that a lot of people listening to this will be tearing the hair out of me saying that, but I, I like George Honeyman. I think the fact he's went to Hull and the love him there as well shows a great deal about what he's like. And I think we would have been a lot better off for him at Sunderland over the last three seasons that he's been gone or whatever it's been. Uh, Lugo 9 was on me centre mids list, but it no longer is because we picked Matt right back. Uh, Corey Evans, who is another Marmite player, he had a pretty poor start to life here as he struggled for form and fitness, but uh, since Alex Niels came in, has been unbelievable. Yeah. Rode through a sticky period where everybody wanted him out of the team. I even remember, I can't remember what the home game was, but he was booed off when he was subbed. That's how, that's how sort of the opinions changed on Corey Evans. And then last but not least, a player who's probably had the opposite kind of season to Corey Evans, Dan Neal, who started like a steam train this season, taking all the plaudits, scoring goals, getting assists. He won our Young Player of the Year this year, which is important to factor in. But since the new manager came in, has probably been off the bench once or twice, and that's it, which um, which is disappointing. But he definitely deserves to be mentioned on this list. And and I'll probably throw in Elliot Embleton there as well. I know you, you could you could probably put him in amongst with the the attacking midfield players, but um, this season he's played between that sort of ten position and central midfield. And again, another under Alex Neil, who's just got better and better, and scored a really important goal in the playoff uh, final, which set the tone for the rest of the afternoon. Had he not showed the initiative to run at them and shoot, might have been a very different game. So I've went over quite a lot of players there. Uh, you've only gone with one central midfielder, so I want to I want to hear what you've got to say before I I put my threatening bit in. Yeah, I was just, I was frantically trying to think when you were rattling all the names off. I'm going. I'm only gonna I'm only gonna go for one out of this list of players. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it it is actually. But again, you look you look at this and you think that's a good list of players. There's some good players in there. I mean, you know, how did we not get up sooner? That that most of those players are better than League One. And, uh, you know, it took us four years to get out. But uh, it might be controversial, this, because all of those players that you mentioned probably did more than this player in terms of amount of games and probably better, you know, longer runs that, you know, where he was in form and all this sort of stuff. But for that holding role, I'm going to go for Corey Evans. I just think, you know, the way he's played in the second half of this season, (laughs) the bottom line is he got the job done. He, he almost yeah. got us promoted the way he played because in this system that that Alex Neil played, I mean, you saw it against Wickham. You know, there was a sniff of anyone getting in behind the defence and every time Corey Evans was there, he was on the ball, he read the play, he's been there and done it. And yeah, he had a, he had a huge bad patch. And the other thing I was going to say with Corey Evans is how many players do you see come back from being booed at Sunderland? Not many. Not many players turn it around. True. You know that? Yeah, true. 
once they've got on the wrong side of the fans and the fans have had enough of them, it's kind of that's it. They're normally never never to be seen again, and they leave on a free in the summer or something like that. They can't handle it. Not many players can come back from you know that sort of treatment that Corey Evans got, where people were saying he needs to come out of the team and all this sort of stuff. And he's not only just come back and and been okay and slotted in. He's been so important that he was one of the main players that that stopped Wickham from playing at Wembley and Wickham couldn't really do anything against us, create any chances. And a lot of that was down to, to down to Corey Evans. And, you know, Ledbetter was brilliant at times. Definitely, you know, you've got to put Ledbetter in there because he, he kind of ran the show in games under Parkinson in, in the role that he played in that kind of playing in front of the the pack three. Uh, Catamull had that good season. Uh, like you said, seven or eight goals. Max Power played 137 games for us in the end. I mean, a lot of games. And he got us close. I mean, a lot of people. We did the podcast with Max Power, and there was the odd comment saying, "Oh, you know, he, you know, he did this and he did that," but you know, he he got us close to the promotion. He wasn't that far away, so he could have easily been in there. But uh, just for for what he did and what how he got us over the line, I'm going to go for Corey Evans. It's a tough one for me this because I said I really liked George Honeyman, particularly that first season. He played more in sort of a midfield too, didn't he? With Catamol, Catamol. I think you've got to give him credit for that season. He played, I think, 29 league games and got seven goals from midfield, which is a is a hefty contribution. But at the same time, I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking, well, how many of those were really important goals? Were there, you know, I can't think of any any moment where, where those goals were like big moments in games. I might be wrong. Someone listening to this might be able to correct us, but... If you look, if you look back at the highlights of that first season, though, how many times Catamore was chasing back because he got done for pace. Someone just knocked the ball past him, and that was it. He, he was just chasing back, and we he was they were behind our midfield because he just couldn't run anymore by that point. And he, he got it. He bagged a few goals, but you know by by that time, I think I think he was finished really. Yeah, yeah. So go on then. We'll go with Corey Evans. I can't really argue against it. I think if you're on about an out and out holding player, yeah, he's been a class apart, particularly towards this this run towards the end of the season and there was a, there was a point where I thought he was he wasn't up to it but I think from what I've seen particularly towards the end of the season he's going to be more than capable of playing next season in the championship and mm. you've got to look at his career before he came to Sunderland I mean this was pretty much his only season as a league one player I might be wrong I don't know maybe earlier in his career when he played for Blackburn maybe did they they did drop into league one for a little bit didn't they yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe he did I don't know but to me he, he's got the hallmarks of a of a decent championship player and yeah I'll go with you on that one with, with Corey Evans so that then means that we've just missed out a load of players um, <laughs> as centre midfielders but means that we can then pick more attacking players now you said that you've gone with one up front yeah so I've got three behind the striker I've gone with you know one one either side and I've got one one just right, behind right okay go on then I'll let you crack on because there's, there's that many players to talk about that uh, yeah well again I had I had what two four six I had kind of seven or eight written down for centre half for attacking midfielder I've got one two three four five six seven eight I've got nine <laughs> nine or ten written down you could put in an attack <laughs> I've only got five so maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit more selective than you so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you've got to say well, if you're talking about kind of... Because I've got two wide positions and one behind the strike, eh? I've got Diaco, Honeyman, McGeady, Maguire, Jones, Clark, Roberts, Pritchard. You could stick O'Brien behind there, although he was kind of half on and half off the list. He was just mm. someone I was just scribbling down. Even Broadhead, if you wanted to, you could stick in that left-hand side position. He played there a few times. I think you've been kind to a few of those players. Jordan Jones. 
Christ, Diatu. Well, I, well, I was just, I was just jotting players down who could play that. <laughs> I'm not saying all of those. <laughs> Go on then, pick your three, anyways. Right. So the the three. I mean, I reckon, and and I kind of preempted you uh, with your with your honeyman suggestion, but uh, I I haven't gone honeyman. I'm gonna to have to apologise in advance to you for not going for honeyman. But I've gone for I've gone for McGeady on the left because I, I just for what he's done for us in League One, he's he kind of stayed with us. At one point it was a kind of a one man band trying to desperately trying to drag us into the championship and it was Aidan McGeady. You know, at, at times it was like I always remember Premier Passions, you know, Peter Reid on the sidelines shouting give it to Wadler. And it was exactly the same with McGeady. It was like, just just give him the ball and he'll try and do something for us. So McGeady goes in that that left hand side position. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think. Well, I'd like to think not many people would argue what he's what he's done for us. You know, regardless that he didn't really play much of a part in us actually getting promoted, um, which which is a bit of a shame. But uh, but yeah, what what he's done, he goes in the eleven in the in the centre right behind the striker. I've got Pritchard. I just think again another player who shouldn't be in League One and is only in League One because he's playing for Sunderland. And uh and, and he's just been well, he's just been a revelation this season. He's just been in that in that role. Every every team's worried about him. Every team has to come up with a plan for him. Um the the stuff he's come up with this season and and he was one of the main reasons we, we finally got over the line. So Pritchard gets the nod in that central role. And then on the other side it was tough. Um because he is where I thought well on the right hand side do I go Honeyman? Does Maguire get a nod for, for some of the important goals he got? Um, you know, Clark was good towards the, the end of the season, although he had a few, you know, had a, a few off days. Um, but I've gone for Patrick Roberts. I just think uh, his form this uh, towards the end of the season, and again, he's another one who I hope I hope stays with us and kind of carries on this form because I, I just think he's a cracking player, and if he can get a good run of games, which he's getting this season, he can show what he can do. I mean. 90 what was it 93rd minute or was it or was it earlier than that something 90th minute anyway yeah, Hillsborough, 93rd minute, yeah. r- r- absolutely knackered the defender the, the kind of ran their nuts off for 90 minutes and he was there at the back post running from the halfway line making that run um and i just think he again he's another one who's played a massive part in the fact that we're a championship club now um he gets the nod on the right so that's me three i've got roberts pritchard mcgeady behind the striker don't disagree with mcgeady at all Arguably our best player in our time in, in this league, arguably. Uh, don't disagree with Alex Pritchard. I think if we're going to pick a number 10, he's certainly done more than probably Honeyman has in that time. But I can't go with Patrick Roberts on the right. As much as I like him, and I think he's a great player, and you've just made some great points, and don't disagree with any of that. I just think when you look at the fact Chris Maguire scored 28 goals in 125 games for us and quite a lot of them were important goals and he played that sort of mercurial attacker role in our squad at a time when we had very little quality, some boring football in the parking mm-hmm. where he was where he was he was scoring important goals and then obviously I know towards the end under Lee Johnson he was he was cut out of the team but if we're on about a team a Sunderland team over 4 years in League 1 for me I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't include Chris Maguire in there. I know I, I know all the arguments against him, like he would go missing. His last season with the club didn't go particularly well because Lee Johnson just didn't fancy him. All these things are true, but I just think that if we're talking about important goals, I think about the you know you mentioned Roberts's goal there at Hillsborough, but I think of like how 
how good Maguire was in those two legs against Portsmouth to get us to the... He basically got us to the final that year with his performances across those two legs. Totally shithoused them in both games. Scored a brilliant um, was either a volley or a half volley at the Stadium of Light to give us that lead going, going to Fratton Park. There's countless other moments during his time at the club that I can think of off the top of my head. You know, that I think he scored a really good volley against Southend from about 30 yards. There's, there's, the, there's the less than spectacular goals that he scored, you know. And I think, obviously, we might have our memories slightly tainted of him because of the the hat-trick he scored for Lincoln this season, which totally ruined our day. And he, and he didn't go about in the best of fashions. He celebrated in front of Lee Johnson to try and prove a point and all the rest of it. But if I'm just talking about a player who... Players who've contributed. If you're mentioning Aidan McGeady, you've got to mention Chris Maguire for me because they're both pretty, they're pretty neck and neck for me in terms of overall contributions for Sunderland during our time in the third tier. Right. Well, I'll, you've you've talked us into it. You've made a good argument there because, <laughs> but but I think for me, it's it's pound for pound. Roberts is a better player than Maguire. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, totally. That's a fact, and and that was that was the route I was going down. But now yeah. you've brought back all those memories of all those things. I mean, actually, to be fair, that the, the two against Portsmouth, he didn't just get the goal in that first leg, but in that second leg of Fratton Park, I mean, he was he was the wind up merchant we were all looking for, wasn't he? I mean, that that was yeah. kind of what we wanted at that point, and you know, he kind of rattled, he, he basically rattled the fans and the players to the point where they forgot that they were playing in a football game, and we sneaked yeah. into the <laughs> the playoff final, but. <laughs> Yeah, you, you go on then. You've talked this into it. I love Maguire on the right hand side, but uh, but like I said, pound for pound, if you just went better player, I'd, I'd go for Robert. Yeah. So then, strikers again. We haven't had many great strikers at this level, but we've had two in particular who've done very very well for us. So I think you, you can, we'll go with the honourable oh. mentions before we get into the two. I'd go three. Three, three. You yeah. reckon Broadhead? Yeah. I presume is one of them. No. No. Well, if you're going to go, go three, on, I'd say Ross Stewart, I'd say Charlie yeah. White, and Josh Madger. Of course. I, do you know what? I didn't even have Madger written down. <laughs> um, yeah, my, I mean, I was when I was going to talk about sort of honourable mentions, I was thinking more along the lines of Nathan Broadhead. Yeah. And, uh, trying to think who else, really. Who else have we had who you could pro- possibly stick on that list? No, I'm struggling after There's, that. I'm struggling after that. I mean, I mean Lafferty got a handful of goals, but I wouldn't even call nah. him an honourable mention. He wasn't here long enough. I've got four names written down. I've got Stuart White, Madger and Broadhead. Yeah. I think that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair, though, you've got to think, like, Charlie White was pretty much... the He played pretty much consistently for two and a half years. So it's not like we've had loads of crap strikers. It's, we've pretty much played one up front mm. right throughout our time in League One, and we've never deviated from the same players too often so but I had I had totally forgot about Madger and I don't know how because you think that he was so good in that first half of the season I think it would be fair to say if we kept a hold of him we probably wouldn't have went down the playoff route that year yeah. that's how important he was to us so yeah Jesus I totally totally skipped my mind I mean it feels like a year, years and years and years and years and years since he was here so yeah I mean Josh Madger is an honourable mention at least well, I think I think the other thing to mention is you were talking about because we only played Charlie White up front basically on his own for like you said a season and a half or something like that. But I think the whole thing about buying Will Grigg is that it kind of burnt, it kind of burnt us a little bit. We didn't want to go out and splash the cash on a on a big striker after that because we we'd done it and it and it went wrong. So after yeah. that, we kind of just 
I don't know, we, we were a bit strange in the transfer market with strikers after that because we thought, well, a, a big player in Josh Madge. I mean, just going back to him, I mean, 16 goals in 25 starts before he left that season. I mean, you, you could almost say that we can be pretty confident we would have went up in that first year if we kept all the Josh Madger. I know it's, you know, everyone says it, but it's true. Um, you know, if if we kind of managed to hold on to him or even sell him and said, look, can we just keep him for the first five months on loan or something like that just to get us up yeah. and then you can have him after that. But yeah, I mean, 16 goals in 25 starts. And the, the thing is, well, Madge, he was a proper striker. You give him the ball with his back to goal in the box and he'd take one touch, find half a yard and it'd be in the bottom corner. And that, that was that was what we wanted. I mean, you heard um, Max Power on the podcast said exactly that. He said it was even for the players, it was devastating because they knew what type of player they had. They knew that they just had to get the ball in and around them in the box. And that was it. It was a goal. And you know, yeah. that was it. Three points, difference in three points. And, and you know, how many 19-1-1 draws or something we got uh, that, that season. And yeah, we would have went up. So maggie has got to definitely be in there. But uh, like I said, who knows what he what he would have went on to. But uh, he, um, And by the way, he, fi- he, finished, he finished the season top scorer, had to spike yeah, even in January. Exactly, you know. So exactly, and uh, from and and Broadhead, uh, uh, you know, he's he's he, he deserves a mention. You know, it's another one. It's a what if. You know, what if he'd stayed fit? Would he get in fifteen, twenty goals this season? Who knows? But uh, he's another one who's been struck down with injury. So yeah, it was it was out of those three for me. Uh, Stuart White, imagine. Yeah, totally agree. But yeah, even on Charlie White, we haven't talked about him. I think you've got to talk about Charlie White, <laughs> considering how many goals he got. In that last season, it was what 31, 32 goals in his last season with the club. Um, the, the thing that just sort of masked over that for me was the, I wasn't actually disappointed when he left, which which we all said at the time. It sounds stupid, doesn't it? So, <laughs> we just lost a 30 odd goal season striker for nothing, we're not bothered. But I don't think many of us were, to be fair. One, because we, we took into account all of his performance rather than just the goals, and two, I think we'd seen enough of Ross Stewart in that little run towards the end of the season to know that he was being replaced well by a, by a decent player. Um, so we weren't too fussed when he left, but he, he, you know, he did score a lot of goals for us in that last season. It's just the two seasons before that he was naff. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's probably why I can't put him in this team and why I never really fought against you to have two up front in, my te- in the team that we're picking. Because, you know, we had half a season out of Madja. We've had... Basically half a season out of Nathan Broadhead, when you think about how stop-start his season's been. The only thing with him, I just think if he'd stayed fit, he would have probably outscored Stewart, I think. You think? I do. I think if he played as many games as Ross Stewart this season, in as many minutes, he would have outscored him. I think. I just think he's got... He is more of a, a goal scorer than Stewart is, which sounds stupid. But Stewart, especially by the way, when they play together, plays a different role in the team. Stewart's always better when Broadhead hasn't played with him, I think. I think Stuart, he had that run, didn't he, where Broadhead came into the team after he'd been injured and was scoring, and Stuart stopped scoring. I think he, he went eight or nine games without a goal, didn't he? Broadhead got injured again, and Stuart found the net again. It was It's because his role in the team changed. Broadhead was becoming the sort of the, the, the man who played further forward while Stuart did all the donkey work. And I think Ross Stewart ultimately is a better player when he's on his own up there. He's a, he's a proper lone striker. I think I listened to the um, the D three D four podcast after the Wembley final, and that's what one of the lads on there said. He's a proper lone striker, and how often do you get them in football now? Yeah. You don't re- really get that many of them. So yeah. I'm happy to go with one up front, and I'll be honest. Whilst we've got three other strikers there, 
who all did a decent job for us in League One. I can't really make the case for any of those ahead of any of the no. attack midfielders we picked. No, no, definitely not. I mean, like you said, the only one you... And, and it is bizarre. It is really strange that we're just kind of completely discounting a 31-goal-a-season striker. It is strange because... 30 goal a season strikers at Sunderland, you know, I mean, I feel like I could probably <laughs> rattle them off, you know, you know, since I've followed the club anyway, you've got, you've got Mark Gabardini, then you've got Phillips, then you've got uh, Darren Bent, and, you know, you can kind of rattle them off because you remember strikers scoring over 30 goals. But the thing is with Charlie Wake, what, I mean, yeah, I mean, I might be, I might be really harsh because he had to put them away, but what was Charlie Wake without Aidan McGeady that season? How many, yeah. I, I can't remember the statistic, but it was like three quarters of his goals came from McGeady's crosses. So what was, I mean, I know he still had to do the business and he did brilliant to do it. And it was a fantastic season. I don't want to take anything away from him in that sense, but you know, what, what was Charlie White without the former Aidan McGeady? So in the thing is with Charlie White, with Charlie White in the team, you had to play a certain way. You couldn't, you couldn't knock it about a bit and slide someone in, be, in behind, which, with Ross Stewart, you can get the ball wide, you can cross it in, you can play him in behind, you can do three or four different things to get Ross Stewart in on goal. Whereas with Charlie White, there was only one way of doing it, and that was getting it wide, getting the ball in and getting it on his head. And So, yeah, for me, it, it has to be Ross Stewart. I mean, he's probably the most complete striker we've had since, I'd say, Kevin Phillips. You know, that he can do multiple different things. He can hold the ball up, he can flick it on, he can... He can run with it. He can get in behind. He can score from twenty yards. Yeah, so it has it has to be Ross Stewart. And again, he's another one who just did the business, and he he was main reason we got promoted with what twenty seven goals this season. It has to yeah. be Ross Stewart. No, I can't disagree. Ross Stewart for me is the best player we've had at this level. I, I you could make. I know I said earlier, Ian McGeady. You could make. I think him and McGeady probably neck and neck. But when you take into account who got the job done. McGeady didn't play really that much of a part in the team that got promoted and Stuart Stuart's just so important to us like I've just said it there where do these strikers come from they don't grow on trees you don't get Ross Stewart's growing on trees like he will be an in-demand player this summer unfortunately and we're going to have to really do our our best to keep a hold of him because where else do you get a six foot four striker who's really quick really strong brilliant in the air has a great first touch scores goals, works his arse off, can go in behind, over the top, can play in a two. You probably play him. He's, he's our best defender from corners. Like, he is he is so good. You said he's the most complete forward we've had since Phillips, and I think you could argue he's more complete. I wouldn't say he was a better player. Phillips was obviously top tier. But, like, as, as far as the complete package goes in terms of what he can bring to a team, I can't think of a, a, a more complete striker while I've been a Sunderland fan. He's just so good, and and listen, he's good. It's it's going to be hard to hang on to him. I mean, I watched, I seen him training with the Scotland team on Twitter, and um, he's just starting to get that bit of attention. I don't really like. I'm starting to worry now <laughs> that there might be a promoted Premier League team are looking at him and thinking he's actually a level above what we're actually we think he is. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he has a good start of the season. And we're coming to that end of August, whether there are teams looking at him. But I don't want to put a dampener on things, uh, ultimately, by talking about the fact that our best player might leave. But Ross Stewart, yeah. If you're going to go with a midfield with one holding player and three attack midfielders, he's the man to lead the line in this side, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, uh, 
that argument whether Stuart or Phillips is the most complete player. I think that's a that's a, <laughs> that's a podcast on its own, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them play together. That would be nice. Oh, wow. So then, that's our team complete. I'm not going to go with subs. I'm not going to ask for a manager because we all know who would win that. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, Alex Neil. So the team we've gone for then, and people listening at home, feel free to email us, tweet us, send us a message on Facebook, whatever else. Give us abuse. Uh, if you disagree with any of this, but we've gone for a, a five at the back with one holding player, three attacking midfielders and one striker. In goal, we've opted for John McLaughlin just over Anthony Patterson based on his consistency over two seasons in a Sunderland shirt. He was fantastic. Uh, left back was a little bit more difficult for us because it's not like we've had lots of top quality left backs in our time in League One, but we opted for Dennis Serkin based on the fact that he got us Promoted, he was part of the team who got promoted, who kept so many clean sheets in this run towards the end of the season. Uh, right back was a was a contentious one, but in the end, one that we we both agreed on after I threw it into the mix. Luke O'Neill, somebody who has to be in our team really somewhere. Uh, when you when you talk about Sunland's team of the last four years, he's Mister Consistent, he's Mister Sunland. Nobody was more proud and happy than him and Lyndon Gooch really on that pitch at Wembley. He's been just so consistent for Sunderland over a long period in terms of what he's given us in terms of his effort and graft. And Luke O'Neill has to be in that team. And I don't think we'll concede many goals with him playing on one side and and Cirk in the other. Uh, at centre half, we opted for Bailey Wright through the middle with uh, Jordan Willis just to the right of him playing that defensive role that he did perhaps under Phil Parkinson where he got forward and he added to the attack. So it, it actually, when you think back as well, we didn't talk about this earlier, Chris, but him and O'Neill linked up brilliant and Maguire mm. actually. Him, O'Neill yeah. and Maguire were a brilliant link up down that yeah. right-hand side. Yeah. Um, on the left of the three is Dion Sanderson, a player who's played in the championship this year. And I think if he gets it right next season in the championship with the right team, he'll be, he'll be a Premier League player soon. Just had all the hallmarks of a top player. I think he's just a little bit unlucky that he plays for a decent Prem team who can't really afford to give him a chance because he he will play there eventually, is that good? And we were very lucky to have him and Phil Parkinson was very lucky to have him and just didn't realise it. <laughs> and then uh, holding the midfield down is Corey Evans, probably the perfect anchor for any team. Just sits in, does the business, keeps things ticking along. Um, Probably a little bit unlucky, Lee Catamull, that he didn't make the side. But I think if we're talking about the man who got the job done yet again, it's Corey Evans. And then in an attack midfield, we've gone for a trio of Alex Pritchard as the 10. Aid McGeady on the left, unarguable really. He, outstanding player for Sunderland League One. And then on the right, Chris Maguire, who scored just so many important goals in a red and white shirt. And then leading the line, of course, Ross Stewart, who, like I've said repeatedly, is just the best. <laughs> the best on earth. As the song goes. So yeah, if you disagree with any of that, let us know. I think you're going to be hard pushed to find a better team than that, really, unless you change the system. And that's where maybe people could maybe add another central midfielder into the mix, maybe go with the back four. But we want to hear your team, so feel free to let us know. Uh, we will be back over the coming days and weeks and months until the season starts with other podcasts, other little features like this. It does offer us a chance, Chris, doesn't it, to do some different stuff, so... Fingers crossed there'll be more player interviews, there'll be more daft little shows like this where we just get our heads together and dream scenarios up and stuff. But yeah, we will be back, so make sure you check us out and keep subscribed. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Gav. Enjoyed it. You definitely won more of those battles, by the way. I'll let you get away with them. I think the only one I won was Luke O'Neill. I oh, know I got yeah. Maguire in. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't think the, I don't think the debate stops here between me and you. With that no, thing. no. <laughs> and thanks for listeners for joining us. We'll catch you later. Cheers.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.